Thank you, John Avet. What a great song. What a great song. Mary didn't consider the, the price too high to give to the Lord Jesus, though it was one year's worth of wages. How many of us would take one year's worth of salary and say, Lord, I give it to you? And that's what she did. And she did it for his glory. Shall we just open in a word of prayer this morning? Father, we just thank you and praise you for the opportunity we have to be here to study your word together, to hear from the word. We pray that the Holy Spirit will have a message for every one of our hearts. It may be different message for different uh, people and a different experience that we're going through. We just pray that you'll minister your word to our hearts and speak to us. Please hide me behind the cross, Lord. May you be glorified. May the Spirit of God go forth today and touch our lives. And so we pray for all those who are not with us today that you will bring them back to us and that we will have a great day of fellowship. We ask this now in your precious name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. You know, one of the most common things in life is to make a mistake. And if I was to ask, who has never made a mistake? Raise your hand. And you would have no one. You would have 0% of the people have never made a mistake. But in fact, if you were to add up all your mistakes that you've ever made in your whole life to the present day and get the calculator out because you're going to need it. I did. So, but you cannot count them all. There's so many. And even this week, there was a mistake made when I went in for this test because they didn't tell me that I couldn't drive, that I was going to be sedated, and that I wouldn't be able to go to work. So I was scrambling to get a ride and scrambling to call my boss, say, I won't be able to be in today. People make mistakes. And some mistakes are grave mistakes, and some are more simple mistakes. But every day, we make mistakes. And you see sometimes mistakes appear on the Internet. Mistakes appear on TV or on the radio or in books, typographical errors, mistakes. Our world is one big mistake in that sense. But you know what? God never makes a mistake. He never does. But I read this very interesting story and I'm going to try to get through it without laughing too hard because it is really, really funny. And it's a story about a pastor whose name is A.J. Jones. And he has a television set he wants to sell. The poor guy, that's all he wanted to do was sell this television set. So, Monday's paper read like this. The Reverend A.J. Jones has one color TV set for sale. Telephone 626-1313 after 7 p.m. And ask for Mrs. Donnelly, who lives with him, cheap. (laughs) Okay. Tuesday. We regret any embarrassment caused to Reverend Jones by a typographical error in yesterday's paper. The ad should have read, the Reverend A.J. Jones has one color TV set for sale cheap. Telephone 626-1313 and ask for Mrs. Donnelly, who lives with him after 7 (laughs) p.m. Poor guy. You can feel with the guy. He's hurting by now. Wednesday. The Reverend A.J. Jones has informed us that he has received several annoying calls because of an incorrect ad in yesterday's paper. It should have read, the Reverend A.J. Jones has one color TV set for sale cheap. Telephone 626-1313 and after 7 p.m. ask for Mrs. Donnelly who loves with him. Oh boy. Thursday. 
This is Mr. Jones now. Please take notice that I, the Reverend A.J. Jones, have no color TV set for sale, for I have smashed it. Don't call 626-1313 anymore. I have not been carrying on with Mrs. Donnelly. She was until yesterday my housekeeper. Friday. Wanted. Housekeeper. Usual, (laughs) Usual housekeeping duties. Good pay. Love in. Reverend A.J. Jones, 626-1313. Mistakes. People make mistakes all the time. And just think, if you didn't make mistakes and you made it 99% and all you made was 1% of mistake, just think what would happen. I read a survey. They took a survey and said, if you made 99% air-free, this is what would happen. No phone service for 15 minutes every day. If you, did, if you were 99% successful, there would be 1.7 million pieces of mail lost every day with 99% success. If you were 99% successful and only made the 1% mistake, that would cost 35,000 newborn babies would be dropped by doctors or nurses every year. It's amazing. With a 99%, we think 99% is good, but look what happened. 99%. 200,000 people would be getting wrong prescriptions every year. I went for a prescription yesterday. I said, hope that's not in that 99, in that 1%, right? <clears throat> Amazing. Three unspe- misspelled words on a sheet of paper. One sheet of paper would have three misspelled words if you had 99% good. Listen to this. Two million people would die from food poisoning every year if it was 99% good and only 1% mistake. Mistakes can be costly. They can cost people their lives. They can really hurt people. They've cost companies money. They've cost people money. It costs in terms of time and all these things. But as I said before, God never makes a mistake. And just when we think that God somehow is not getting it right in our life, Lord, this must be some mistake, this heart issue. Might be some some mistake I got this layoff notice. It must be some mistake that I've got this uh, problem with sleep apnea or whatever it is. God doesn't make a mistake. He brings circumstances into our lives and He allows circumstances in our lives to grow us and mature us in Christ. And that's the subject of our message today. The title of our message is God Never Makes a Mistake. Think about Mary and Martha. They must have thought this was a mistake that Jesus didn't come right away to heal Lazarus. And Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would never have died. But Jesus came with the purpose of raising him from the dead. He had a greater plan, a greater purpose. We see just in the short term, in the temporary, in the earthly. He has a plan from heaven for each one of our lives. A personal plan. Not just a great plan for all Christians, but he has a personal plan for you and a personal plan for me. And he's working on us. He's not finished with us yet. He wants to do great things in our lives. And when He brings something into our lives, it's not wasted. It's used by God in our hearts and in our lives. And may the Lord encourage us today as we look at His Word. 
Let's turn to our in our Bibles or you'll see it on the on the screen. Romans chapter eight, verse twenty eight. One of my all time favorite verses in all the Bible, but I have so many. But this is a great verse, a fantastic verse. Romans chapter eight and verse twenty eight. Here Paul's writing to the Romans and he says, and we know confidence that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. In this message today, we're going to look at three things. First of all, God's wisdom in our circumstances. Secondly, God's love in our circumstances. And finally, God's purpose, God's plan in our circumstances. And may the Lord encourage us today. Paul had a tremendous confidence in the Lord. He says, and we know. That's confident. He had that same confidence when he wrote to 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 13. He had that same heavenly confidence. It says, for this reason, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep what I've committed to him until that day. That's a blessed confidence. You know, you can get up tomorrow morning, Monday morning, and you can get up with confidence because you can know that God is going to work all things together for good. That no matter what happens, God is going to fulfill His plan and He's going to do it for His glory. He does know what He's doing. And He does not make any mistakes. He has a perfect 100% mistake-free plan. And he's going to do it for us. But, you know, we can know that in our heads. We can even know it in our hearts. But when we get up and put our feet on the floor in the morning and start walking and we get in the car and start driving and we go to work and the pressure starts building and the school and you get your tests and all these things, all this pressure and stress happens. Do we know it then? Do we know it down in the trenches where the rubber meets the road, as Mike likes to say? Do we know it then? Do we have the confidence then that God is allowing what He is allowing for our good? And He's going to work it for our good. So that we can be thankful and say, Lord, I don't understand it. I don't know why it happened, but I'm trusting You for it and You're going to work out Your will because You never make mistakes. And we can thank God for that. God has all the wisdom. He really does. And we, and we oftentimes try to make God's ways to fit with ours. And we try to understand God's ways from our human perspective. And that's why I like what it says in Isaiah chapter 55, verses 8 and 9, because it shows the difference between God's thoughts and our thoughts. Isaiah chapter 55, verses 8 and 9. It says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Now, here I am as a finite, feeble, futile human being. How can I look up to there and say to the Lord, Lord, you made a mistake on this. I don't understand it. This is not right. This shouldn't happen. How can we do that? But we do it. We complain and we say, why did this happen? But God has infinite wisdom and he has infinite knowledge and infinite understanding because we can only see the the situation from right there in front of our eyes. He knows what's going to happen tomorrow 
and in a week or a month or a year. And he is working all the circumstances out for the good. So it's going to turn out good for us if we just leave it in his hands. Now, we can mar his plan and we can mar his purpose if we get in the way and start getting our hands in it. That's where I get into trouble. If I start getting impatient and I want to say, well, if I do this, Lord, or if I do that, no. That's what happened to Abraham. He knew he was going to have a son, but he says, well, God's not doing it, so I guess I better go over here. And Sarah and him had a plan and he would have uh, Hagar as his wife and they had a son, Ishmael, and they've been living with the consequences of that wrong decision ever since. But when we do it God's way, he has the best for us. He loves us so much and he wants the best for us. I read a story about an angel who appeared to a faculty at a faculty meeting and he spoke to the dean of students and he said to the dean of students, he said, because you have been so unselfish and exemplary in your behavior, the Lord will reward you with your choice of infinite wealth, infinite wisdom or infinite beauty. Without hesitating, without hesitating for a moment, he said, I want that infinite wisdom. So the angel said, done. And he disappeared in a, in a cloud of smoke and in a, in a bolt of lightning. All of a sudden, all the heads in the room turned to that dean of, of students. And one of his friends said to him, say something. So the dean looked at them and said, I should have taken the money. <laughs> That's how we are in the world. We think that we, you know, God has a beautiful life for us, a beautiful plan for us. And all of a sudden we think ours looks better. I want this. I want that. And we choose for ourselves instead of letting the Lord have his way. You know, in the scripture, God is spoken of as the potter. We're spoken of as the clay. Now, how can the clay say to the potter, why have you made me this way? It can't happen. You can't do it. In Romans chapter 9 and verse 20, notice what Paul says to the, to the Romans about this. Romans 9, verses 20 and 21. He says, But indeed, O man, who are you to reply against God? Will the thing formed say to him who formed it, Why have you made me this way? Does the potter not have power over the clay from the same lump to make one vessel for honor and another for dishonor? He's the potter. Let's not turn it around. He's the potter. We're the clay. He has his hands to fashion us and mold us in his image, in his will. And we have to remember that. He's the potter and we are the clay. Also, God's the shepherd. We're the sheep. Can you imagine today if you had a herd of sheep and you drove down the road and you saw them there and they were gathered all together talking and everything. And if sheep could talk, they would say, you know what? This shepherd's been really hard on us. He's not been doing his job very good. He's not been feeding us very good. He's not taking us to the right pastures. He's not making any good things here. I think we need to appoint one of us to be the shepherd. And, and, and I think I'm the one to do it, the sheep says. You know, he says. I think I can handle this. Can you imagine if that sheep were to displace the shepherd and try to shepherd the others? It's not going to work. The sheep need a shepherd. We need a shepherd. We need Christ to be our shepherd. And as sheep, we need to submit to him and allow him to lead us. It's not very flattering to think of yourself as a sheep, but we are. We are prone to wander. We're prone to get in trouble. We're prone to do things our way. And the shepherd comes and leads us to the green pastures. He leads us to the still waters. 
He restores our soul. He does all these beautiful things for us if we just let him do it. And he's the master and we're the servants. Jesus is the leader. We're the followers. And when we realize that, then it'll be good for us. But so often, when we think our wisdom is best, that's when we fail. We really do. We fail the test. But the question I ask myself is this. Why should I doubt God's wisdom? Why should I doubt that the God of the universe, the powerful God of the universe, knows better than I do? Not only about my present, but my future and everything in between. Why do I have such a hard time letting go and just saying, Lord, your will be done? You know, the example of our Lord Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane when he prayed three times, Father, if it be possible, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And then the Apostle Paul prayed three times that the Lord would remove the thorn in the flesh from him. And three times the Lord's answer was, my grace is sufficient for you. And Paul said, but Lord, I prayed you take it away. And the Lord said, I'm not going to take it away, Paul, but I'm going to give you grace and you're going to be humble and you're going to serve me and you're going to touch the whole world and you're going to win the whole world to Christ. And but I'm going to leave it there. He doesn't always answer our prayers to take it away, but he gives us the grace to handle it. And he never allows anything in our lives that's more than we can handle. Sometimes we think, Lord, this is more than I can handle. But when he gives you the grace, you find that it's sufficient exactly to the penny, exactly to the minute for what we need. Always, God is so good. When we believe in him and trust in him and know that his timing is best, it alleviates so much stress. It really, really does. And so many times in life, Lord, the the Lord is going to answer our prayers, but he's going to make us wait for the answer. And wait, and wait, and wait. And sometimes we get impatient and we just want to say, Lord, please show me now. It's got to be the right time. I've waited so long, Lord. But in the light of eternity, any amount of time that we wait is so small. Because the scripture says a day with the Lord is like a thousand years. And a thousand years is like one day. And we get impatient if we have to wait one hour or one day. And God says, I may want you to wait longer and trust in me. And I'm going to give it to you, but in my timing when it's ready. Because a lot of requests aren't ready yet. And can you imagine if you were to go and have a pizza, for example, that was uncooked? You wouldn't want to eat it. You want to wait till it's nicely cooked and prepared. Or a chicken. Can you imagine cooking a chicken and not having it done? No. It's got to be done. It's got to be ready. It's got to be ready. A lot of students apply for colleges and they want to get in right away. They want to know, but they don't. But if they wait, they find in, they get into just the right college or university that God has for them. Right, Justin? Where's Justin? There you go. God answered your prayer. He put you into that situation. He's good to us. He answers our prayer when we wait upon him and trust in him and we claim his promises. I found a beautiful poem by Annie Johnson Flint. She was a great poet and songwriter, and she writes this. I know not, but God knows. Oh, blessed rest from fear. All of my unfolding days to him are plain and clear. Each anxious, puzzled why from doubt and dread that grows finds answer in this thought. I know not, but he knows. 
I cannot, but God can. Oh, balm for all my care. The burden that I drop, his hand will never bear. Though eagle pinions tire, I walk where once I ran. This is my strength to know I cannot, but God can. He can. He can do everything in the whole world, but he can't make a mistake. Isn't that great to know? God can do everything except he can't make a mistake. And just when we think that maybe, nope, he doesn't make mistakes. He allows it. He directs it. He makes it happen, but he doesn't make a mistake. And everything that happens to us happens for a reason. It happens for a purpose. And I'm sure that there are some things that we won't find out about till we get to heaven why it happened. Those kind of things, we have to leave it in the Lord's hands. We really do. There are some things that are beyond our human understanding and comprehension. And the Lord says, just leave it with me. Just leave it there. Pray and leave it there. And that's what he does. So that's God's wisdom in our circumstances. Knowing that an all-wise God knows better than I know and he is going to work it out for us. Secondly, God's love in our circumstances. You know, one of the greatest blessings in life is God's love for us. He loves us. He really does. God cannot love you any more today than he did yesterday. He's not going to be able to love you any more tomorrow than He loves you today because God's love is constant. Our love, on the other hand, can wane. It can wax and wane. It can change. It can go up and down. But His love for us is always the same. It's perfect. And He loves us. And He knows what we're going through. And we should always trust in that love. And you say, well, Lord, if you love me so much, why are you giving me such hard trials to go through? But the answer is very simply that he is going to work out his plan and his purpose. He's going to turn it for the good. He's going to put you in a position that you can bless others because of what you go through. And I am thankful and I can look forward to what God is going to do. Hebrews 12:6 tells us that when God loves us, he works in our lives. He disciplines us. He chastens us. Roman, uh, Hebrews, I should say, 12 and verse 6 says, for whom the Lord loves... He chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. God loves us. He loves us so much that he disciplines us. He says, Dean needs a spanking today. Dean needs to be chastened today. He needs to be disciplined today. I love him too much to let him do that. You know, if you have a child, a young child, son or daughter, and you know that touching that hot stove is going to be bad for him, you're going to keep him from touching the hot stove because you love him. You're not going to say, yeah, go ahead, touch it, touch it. No, parents love their kids or they're not going to let them run out in the street. You love your kids too much. If we as human beings, as parents, love our kids this much, God loves us way more than that. And because he loves us, he says, I'm not finished with them yet. I'm going to make them like my son, Jesus Christ. To do it, it's going to be painful. There's going to be pain. There's going to be sorrow. There's going to be difficulty. But in the long run, they're going to be better for it. And God loves us that much. And that is a tremendous love. And every adversity we encounter, every problem and situation, if we go through this week, if we can remember this message, God is all wise God and he's all loving God. He already knows what's going to happen and he's going to prepare us for it. And sometimes, you know, you, you can't go to work at a certain time. You find out, the Lord may, you may find out later, the Lord protected you from an accident. He protected you from going through some tragedy. 
And God directs our paths if we just trust in Him because He is such a loving God. And like someone said, the will of God will never lead you where the grace of God cannot keep you. And He's so good to us. And He loves us so much. It's a vast love. And He is going to take us safely to the heavenly shore. And He's never, ever going to make any mistakes working in our lives. So we see God's wisdom in our circumstances and we see God's love in our circumstances. And when you have an all-wise God and an all-loving God, can we not trust Him to do the little thing we need or the big thing that we need? We can. And He's at work in our lives. And the third point this morning is God's plan for our circumstances. I like what Adel says. He says when he gets up in the morning, he says to the Lord, Lord, I want to be on your plan today. I don't want to be on my plan. I want to be on your plan today. And sometimes when you're in God's plan, He's going to change something in your day. You have it all planned out. I don't know if you're a planner like me, but I I write down what I'm going to do this day and have a nice list, but the Lord sometimes changes it. He says, no, not today, Dean. I'm going to have you do this instead. And if we're in God's will, we can say, Lord, then that means that that thing that I didn't do today, that's okay, it's in your hands. It didn't need to be done today. And that's how much the Lord loves us. He has a plan for us. He's working in our lives. And like I said before, it's a unique plan for you and a unique plan for me. That's why I love the verse in Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 11. Jeremiah 29, 11 says this. I know the thoughts I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. And you know, I really like that. I was thinking to myself, I really like that version better in the new, new American Standard because I know the plans I have for you. But when I really started to think about the New King James Version and how it says, he says, I know the thoughts I think toward you. I said, plans, yes, that's true. It's part of it. But God thinks about us every day. He, gets up, he doesn't go to bed and get up, but let's say we get up in the morning. God has been thinking about us. He's been uplifting us. He's been encouraging us. And that's the thing. I know the thoughts that I think towards you. Positive thoughts. Encouraging thoughts. He wants what He wants to do in our lives. And that's so it took on a new meaning to me when I thought about that. I know the thoughts I think towards you, says the Lord. And He does have a future for us. He does have a hope for us. And as long as it's His time for us to stay here, may the Lord help us to be a blessing for His glory. Yes, it's a divine plan. We were talking last Friday about uh, worry and anxiety at our Friday group, and I came up with, I found a quote that said, Worry comes through human interference with the divine plan. Worry comes through interference with the divine plan. And that is so true, because as soon as I start worrying about something, I'm interfering with God's plan. I'm worried about it. I'm worried about it. Now, humanly speaking, we really do worry. We do get anxious. We do get troubled. But that's why there's so many verses in the Bible that says, fear not, fret not, do not be afraid, do not be anxious, do not worry. Do you think if we had no problem with worrying that they would have, there would be so many verses on it? God knew we need many verses on it. And so as we read the Word of God, we can come to the conclusion that He is in control He gives us the peace. And when you pray about something and you leave it with the Lord, He gives you back His peace. And whether you have a yes answer 
or a no answer or a wait answer, which are the hardest to wait for, though, he still gives you the peace. And it's such a wonderful peace. And that's what I've been going through in this situation because when I first found out that I had this leaky valve and I might have to have this valve surgery and they're explaining all these things to me, I took it hard, but I said, Lord, it's in your hands. I prayed about it. Now I have peace. If they tell me that I, this week that I need to have it and the doctors conclude, I'm going to do it. If not, then I'm not. But I'm in God's hands and I have a peace either way. And that's what we have. We have a peace either way. Whatever God's going to do, He's going to do it for the glory of God. That's like Abraham. When God took, told him to take your son, Isaac, and offer him on the mountain of Moriah, he never argued. He never doubted. He never said anything. He went and did it. Because he knew in his heart that even if God required him to kill his son, God had the power to raise him from the dead. And that's why Abraham was, was content with that. Otherwise, he would be frazzled, completely upset, and would never have even wanted to make that journey. But when we know God's in control and he has a plan, we can trust him for that plan. And it's a great plan. Yes, he gives us peace. Peace that passes all understanding. One of the great verses, too, in the scriptures is Psalm 46 and verse 10. That's a great verse, but it really goes against our human flesh. And Psalm 46:10 says this, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Now, that's a tough one. I mean, that's a tough one for me, and it's got to be tough for you, too. Be still. Soon as we get into this difficult situation, we want to start pacing the floor, start worrying about it, try to figure out what we can do. And the Lord says, be still and know that I am God. It doesn't just say be still. We'd have a problem. But he says, and know that I am God. In other words, if you're still and trusting in me, I'm going to work it out. But be still, stand still, sit still. You know, I know that's probably one of the hardest things that parents have to deal with nowadays is when you tell your child, sit still. They're so hyper. They're so wanting to go and do all of this. You know, it's so funny. Um, we go over and visit sometimes Haley. And Haley has such a great personality. So joyful. So, and she's always talking and she's always moving. They say that she never sits. She walks and she runs and, she, you know, she's burning calories all the time. If we could just figure a way to have that kind of calorie burning, we'd all be in good shape. But she's such a wonderful child and it's wonderful just to see her smile. And she smiles at you and she calls me Dino. <clears throat> That's her name because she picks up for what her mom calls. So it's really neat and it's really neat to see these little ones. But they have a hard time sitting still. But we as Christians, if we admit it, sometimes we have a hard time sitting still too. But God says, even though it's hard, be still and know that I am God. A man named J.J. Lynch said, His wisdom is sublime, his heart profoundly kind. God is never before his time and never is behind. He comes through at just the right time. Not one second too soon, not one second too late, at just the right time. We may think, Lord, it's late, but it's never late. It's always on time. Yes, God has a plan for us and He's more concerned about our character than He is about our, our conduct. He's more concerned about prospering us spiritually and growing us spiritually than giving us material prosperity. That's what God's concerned about. And He has a plan for us in our lives. But some of us, like myself, are very slow learners. And the Lord has to teach us the lesson. 
And he says, Dean, as soon as you learn it, then I'm going to change your circumstance. But see, it, it goes against our human nature. We think if we get involved and start doing this, it'll somehow speed up the process and it's going to happen sooner. No. As soon as I start getting involved with it, it slows it down. It interferes with the plan of God and then it takes longer to do it. Can you imagine if God says to you, well, Dean, you didn't pass kindergarten today, so I'm going to send you through for another session. That's one of the most embarrassing things for kids as you grow up. You never want to hear the teacher says you need to repeat that class. You don't want it. You don't want it. And sometimes in the Christian life, we have to repeat that class. We have to learn the same lesson again because somehow I didn't get it the first time. If we just got it the first time, then God would say, okay, now we're going on to another lesson. But he can't take us to the next lesson until we learn the first one. He can't build on the building blocks until we handle what God gives us. And that's the great thing about it. God is the master designer, the master sculptor. He knows what he's doing in our lives and he is going to bring about his will. I also like what it says in Proverbs chapter 19 and verse 21 where it talks about the plans in the heart of man. Proverbs 19.21 says, There are many plans in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the Lord's counsel, it shall stand. So we can have many plans and many thoughts and many things I think I should do and many things I want to do, many dreams that I want to see happen. But God says, trust me and you're going to have the best life. You know, none of us, I've said it before, when we think about our career and what we want to do, we all have these ideas when we grow up. It usually doesn't happen that we turn out to be one of those. Sometimes it does, but not always. But when we trust God, it will be right. It will fit perfectly. If you go get a pair of shoes and you try them on and they just fit like a glove, they just fit perfect, you say, these are meant for me. And God has that same sizing in mind. The same sizing. Like if he gives you a cross, it's not too heavy for you. It's not too big for you. It's just right. And that's like that story of the man who went to heaven because he says, and he had this dream and he says, I want to trade in my cross because mine's too heavy and I've been carrying this too long. Lord, can I trade it in for another cross? And they had a big warehouse full of crosses. And so the Lord says, sure, go find one you want. So he goes and he finds one and he puts it on and he says, hmm, you know, this one's too light. You know, it's nice, but it's too light. It's not going to work for me. It's too light. So he goes and he tries another one and he says, no, this one's too heavy. I thought I had a heavy cross before, but this would be worse. It's much heavier, much more difficult to carry. And then finally he comes to this really nice cross and he said, boy, this is a nice cross. And oh, wow, it fits perfect. It's not too heavy and it's not too light. It's just right. And the Lord said, that's the one you came in with. It's really true. That's the one we came in with. If we accept what God gives us, it will be the best. But if we try to say, I want this, I want that, change this, Lord, make this happen, do that, we get ourselves into such trouble. So in conclusion, let's remember that God's wisdom in our circumstance, He turns everything together for the good. He's a wise God. He knows what He's doing, what He's allowing in our lives for our good. And then secondly, when we trust in his love, knowing that a loving God is not going to hurt us, he's not going to harm us, he's going to bring about his will and we're going to be better for it. We're going to be growing Christians. We're going to be in the center of his will. And then we remember that God has a plan for us. He's not done yet. He's working on it. 
Just like the pizza or just like the chicken, it's not done yet. Let's wait. I oftentimes think of the fruit tree illustration too. You like that fruit and it looks so good, but it's green. It's not ready to be picked. Now you can pick it, you can pull it off that branch really hard and say, I want it. But you try to eat that fruit, it's too green, it's not that. But when you wait till it's nice and ripe, it's perfect, it's juicy, it's great. You say, I've never had a better peach or whatever it is. And God's ways are best. And we wait for it to fall off in our hands. That's what God wants. He says, I want you to wait until I give it to you, until it's my will for you. There's a beautiful poem that I found on the back of Christian missions in many lands. And I'm going to conclude with this poem. If you get it in the mail, you can read it. It's a blessing. I think a great one for this is to, to put it in a frame because this one is, is, is really a great poem. And the title of it is, He Maketh No Mistakes. It was written by a man named A.M. Overton. My father's way may twist and turn. My heart may throb and ache. But in my soul, I'm glad to know he maketh no mistake. My cherished plans may go astray. My hopes may fade away. But still I'll trust my Lord to lead, for he doth know the way. Though night be dark and it may seem that day will never break, I'll pin my faith, my all in him. He maketh no mistake. There's so much now that I cannot see. My eyesight's far too dim. But come what may, I'll simply trust and leave it all to Him. For by and by the mist will lift and plain it all He'll make. Though all the way, though dark to me, He made not one mistake. God does not make mistakes. And when we get to heaven, we'll realize He never made a mistake. He never failed us. Just like the hymn writer says, Jesus never fails. Jesus never fails. Heaven and earth may pass away, but Jesus never fails. And if you're here today and you don't know the Lord as your Savior, you've never accepted Him, today's the day to do this. Because God loves you and He has a plan for your life. But you can't fulfill God's plan unless you give your heart to Him and accept Him as your one and only Savior that He died on the cross for your sins and by accepting Him, you accept God's free gift of eternal life and you can be saved today. And then you can be on a journey, a journey that will end in heaven, that God's plan will be fulfilled in your life. Right now, it can't be because you don't know Him. And if you're here today and you know the Lord is your Savior, pray, Lord, I want to be on your plan. I want to be in your will. Please direct all my circumstances for the good, as it says in Romans 8:28. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to His purpose. You can't claim that verse unless you're called according to His purpose. Unless you love God, unless you're a believer, then you can know that God's working all these circumstances out. If you don't know the Lord, then every prayer you pray, it's not going to get through to heaven unless you pray the prayer to accept Jesus as your Savior. He'll answer that prayer and come into your life and bring a new plan and a new heart for you. Shall we just close in a word of prayer? Father, we're just so overjoyed today that you love us so much and you have so much wisdom, Lord, and you have a plan for our lives. And we thank you that nothing happens to us by chance or by accident. These things that you're allowing are for our good, Lord. And sometimes they're difficult. Sometimes they're really hard and they're painful. But we thank you that you are not finished with us yet. You're going to make us like Jesus. And we just pray, Father, that you'll encourage us this week to remember this message You make no mistakes. 
and just help us to be really blessed. And we just commit this time to you now and thank you in your precious name. Amen. Amen.